In our culture, everything is based on success. But what is success? Who defined it? Who decided that success was the goal instead of fulfillment? What happens if we shake up that definition? What if we make our own definition of success? My name is Tony Grebmeyer, and on this podcast, I'm going to dig deep into the real stories behind success. Join me as I interview other entrepreneurs who've climbed up Success Mountain and have come back down to share their stories so you can succeed. If you're ready to join a community of other entrepreneurs redefining success and finding fulfillment, go to BeFulfilledLife.com and join the community. Now, let's dive into today's show. Welcome to Be Fulfilled. It is the real stories behind success. My name is Tony Grebmeyer, and as we go up Success Mountain today, you're going to be in for a real treat. Pen and paper is something you probably want to bring with you. I know you're saying like the trail, pen and paper, Tony, how am I going to do this? Well, there's a bunch of rocks along the way. We're going to have you pause for the cause. You can just sit there for a moment and journal some of the things you're going to hear about. The person we're interviewing today has spent a long time writing articles that hundreds of millions of people all around the world have literally spent hours and hours reading his material, his books, copying and pasting and making notes. So I know if you just trust me on this one as we go up Success Mountain today and you bring your pen and your paper, you're going to maybe even want to bring a highlighter because there's going to be a lot of things today you're going to go, wow, isn't that interesting? I've never looked at life quite like that. His name is Dr. Benjamin Hardy. He's written many, many books. Our team here at Chip Offers uh, has been asked many, many times to read his stuff. Um, smack dab in the middle of his new book, Personality Isn't Permanent. And one thing that you're going to learn, I attributed a lot of my life to what was on a piece of paper, a test that maybe I was in a class I took. And it was how people would categorize my learning abilities and they want to place me in society because of the result that I scored on a test. And I loved when I started reading his book. I wanted to throw it all out the window and just say, none of that really matters. What really, really matters is how you see yourself first and foremost, and you set some new limitations for yourself, right? Because uh, I don't place limitations on you, and neither does Dr. Benjamin Hardy. So please welcome to the show today's guest on Be Fulfilled. Well, I got to tell you, it's exciting to have you here. Uh, one question for you as we get rolling. What is your definition of success? Um, I think it's always changing if you, you know, this is one evidence that I'm not the same person I was a few years ago. <laughs> you know, we all, I, but I think the current version of me's definition of success is probably just living the best life I can, doing what God wants me to do, being a great father, um, but also using my time well on the few things that really matter. You know, actually giving my, you know, being in the right mental and emotional place for my family, for my kids, for what I believe in, but also for what for the work that I do believe I should do. So I've had to make a various changes in myself so that I'm more mentally and emotionally a- available, not only to my family, but also to my, my own creativity. No, I love that. And I, I think it's, uh, it's ever changing, right? We're always constantly improving. Hopefully you're focused on that. A, a lot of people uh, along life's journey, they don't even know why they got out of bed today. They don't have a dream. They're not focused on anything. They're stuck. And uh, one of the reasons why I was fascinated to have the opportunity to interview you is because I think you've had some major breakthroughs along the way. Um, you know, you've got a, a nice degree, uh, you, you uh, what is it? organizational psychologist. Uh, you went to school. Uh, one of the colleagues here is like, oh, yeah, he studied the same thing I did. So one of the things I wanted to chat with you about, first, what kind of student were you in elementary school? I think I was 
just a good kid. No, pretty average student. I don't think I was not, I don't think I was a great student. I don't think I was a bad student. My dad, I was the oldest of three. So I think my dad kind of was more invested in me, like helped me to do well, but nothing special. How about as an athlete growing up? Probably fairly average. Yeah. Isn't it interesting how we describe too is like average, but like, let, let's for a moment pretend your, your parents were the ones giving the answers. How would they say you were as a child growing up? They would probably say I was focused and that I was, you know, creative and, you know, energetic. I love it. The, the, the reason why I broached the, the subject the way I did is because sometimes we're the worst critics of ourselves, right? And, and what I've read about you is you're just super talented and you're very humbled. And I love, love your story. And I, I love how the love of your life came in to be and things kind of shaped for you. One question, uh, anybody listening knows that you write blogs and that's kind of how you got your start and how you kind of found uh, a lot of the notoriety today because hundreds of millions of people read your stuff. And when you kind of sat down for the very first time and started writing, was it something easy for you? Did you just kind of just take ideas from your head, put it down on paper, or was it a struggle from the beginning and then it became easier as you did it? Um, in different waves. Once I, like, so, I mean, I had attempted writing various times, basically. So I went and served a church mission, got home from that in 2010. And so I would say on various episodes, I attempted to write whether it was personally or write a book or something. And it was never, it, I will say I had, at that point, I had ton, a ton of journaling and I still journal all the time. And so I think I had done like 10,000 hours worth of journaling, to be honest with you. And so I kind of understand how to get into a flow state with writing. But when I really started writing in about 2015 is when I started blogging, it actually came pretty easy at that point. But I think by that point, I was really clear on what I wanted. Uh, I was really, and, and before that, it was more difficult because I don't think I was as clear on what I wanted. And I also, um, I wasn't in a situation where I felt ready or that I should. Um, when I first started writing online in 2015, it was right when we got our foster kids. And I took an online course that showed, it gave me a lot of good knowledge on like how to write viral headlines. And ultimately, at that point, I felt like I, I, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go pro. And so I just started writing with a fury. And it actually was really, I would say, easy. But at that point, I had already probably filled hundreds of journals and had already privately written like three or four crappy books that no one will ever see and that I don't even know where they are. And so, but once I actually really started, it flew out of me, but that didn't mean it was easy or that it stayed easy. You know, I mean, I probably wrote a hundred articles within like six months and things started to take off, but there were plenty of peaks and valleys throughout. I mean, sometimes even still, it's hard for me to know what to write about. I wrote an article today, which was great, but um, sometimes I'll go through a wave of like six months where it's very difficult. And I will say that writing this book was very hard. This took about a year and a half to write. It was way harder to write than willpower doesn't work. So I think there's phases. You mentioned personalities and permanent. And, and I was saying before the interview today that it's like one of the the easiest books that I've read in a long time, or once you pick it up, you don't want to put it down. And I, I can't even begin to tell you, it's probably been 10 years since I picked up a book like that. Everything just kind of flowed. And I love the little blocks where there was information kind of about questions to challenge you a little bit through each chapter. And, and one of the challenging questions that I, I kind of would love to know is you said, you know, you started writing kind of 
2015, you know, right before you adopted uh, three children. And then, you know, I, I say, what a miracle. God, God delivers twins, right? So yeah, now yeah. Here, here's a husband, father of five, your wife, Lauren, and you, and uh, your life is completely different than it was five years ago. And, and today I just started reading uh, Slipstream, uh, Time Hacking, and, and I think it's great because all of us, want to try to figure out how to have more time, at least any parent does, to spend more time with their kids. So now knowing that you're a super uh, hacker, tell me about juggling uh, a family of five, uh, being a husband, being married and all that. <laughs> tell me a little bit about how you manage life and time. And, and you even said you got up today and wrote a blog. Yeah, um, time, I, 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 I am a time hacker. I think time is, time is really important and time can either go fast or slow. And I wrote Slipstream Time Hacking literally beginning of 2015 before I ever started blogging. And it was after I wrote that book that I then realized I needed to create a blog because I was so ignorant of the publishing world. I had had this book written slipstream and I thought I, I'm going to go out to a publisher and get a book deal. And I'd never had a blog plus I didn't even have a website. And so I talked to a few agents and they're like, you don't do it that way. You've got to go get an audience, you know? And so that's when I started blogging. But as far as time is concerned, uh, I'm definitely a believer in focusing almost hundred percent of energy on important and procrastinating anything and everything that's urgent. Like I push stuff off all the time if it doesn't, if it doesn't resonate and I'll, I'll just eliminate it if it, if it doesn't fit. And, um, but I, I think I've been able to get a lot out of my mornings. Luckily for me, I'm married. We've got kids. And so I go to bed at like nine 30 or 10 at night. And I did that all through graduate school. You know, most of my other graduate school student, you know, partners, I guess you could say, they weren't necessarily married. They didn't have a situation like that. And so like they would wake up and go straight to school, you know, at like eight or nine o'clock and they would be exhausted because they were up until like midnight at the bar. Whereas like I went to bed at like nine or 10 and I'd wake up at five and go to the gym and then I'd listen to audiobooks and I'd then write an article and then go to class, you know? So like I was able to use my morning hours. And I think a lot of it was my situation, you know, just learning to go to bed earlier, learning to wake up early and actually use those primetime hours when your brain actually operates at a slow level. So I think just doing one, one other, I guess, thought that I have about time is I think that one thing that's really helped me is only trying to accomplish one thing at a time. Like if I, like literally, no, like literally flow requires that you try to create one outcome at a time, you know? And so like, if in the morning, my one outcome is just write an article, you know, in this case, my one outcome is just have an amazing conversation with you. You know, the more that you're just trying to create one outcome at a time, the more flow you'll be in. And so uh, I think that having a very short to-do list and just trying to do one great thing a day and then just letting go and just being with your people. Like I think Brian Tracy said it quality time at work so that you can have quantity time at home quality being that you just produced the one outcome that really creates the biggest impact. I think that's, that's what's helped me. It's just one outcome at a time, one outcome a day. And it being an outcome that I know will have long-term repercussions. One of the things that I heard from Seth Godin was do one, something that you do once and you get paid for it for the rest of your life. And so this art, this, this conversation, we're only going to record it once, but it's going to be available for years for people to hear, you know? No, I think it's, it's right on. And it's super important. I, you know, I created a journal a couple of years back and I had a to-do list in it and we just revised it uh, maybe three months ago and we ripped out the whole to-do list. I'm like, I'm done with that. I don't, I don't want to do to-do list. That's like the last thing my wife puts on the table that I want to see. She tells me one thing, just like you talked about one thing that's super important that would help her and help us. I'm down for that. So I really, I really appreciate you bringing some clarity to that because it's super important too. 
to not get so much on your plate that you become overwhelmed the first thing when you wake up in the morning. You're like, oh my gosh, I have to do 50 million things today. What's the one thing that you would love to do today that would move you forward and help deliver a result that would be exponential, that would pay, like you said, Seth Godin writes, you know, for a lifetime, right? You do it once and you get paid on it. So I really appreciate that. When you look back just on the last five years, does it seem like it went super fast or super slow for you? Um, probably a little bit of both, but probably slow because we just did so much during those five years. You know, it was when we first got our foster kids. I mean, I could say it went fast because I could rewind in time and remember like the day we picked up our three foster kids. I could remember writing Slipstream before I'd ever had a website and a blog, but it feels slow because there's so much crammed within it, you know, like literally doing a full degree, fighting the foster system for three years. Uh, all the fertility treatments me and my wife did trying to get pregnant. And then eventually literally a month after the adoption, we get pregnant, um, moving, having twins, um, travel, you know, all the blogs, joining groups like genius network, which, you know, you've mentioned, you've been a part of, it feels like there was a lot of life compressed in those five years. So it, it, it does feel like it was a long time ago. Yeah. You know, I, um, first kind of started reading your stuff. Just, I saw something from, Joe Polish, uh, I saw something because I liked it. Facebook knows how to remember what I like. And then it starts showing me things. The next thing I know, I see your face and you start doing something. And I, I literally picked up your book, Personalities and Permanent. And, um, you know, I was just exercising and I put a, a tray on my Peloton and I started reading. You know, I figured I'm going to time hack a little bit of what I can do, right? I'm going to exercise and read and uh, I can't go anywhere for 45 minutes. So I might as well sharpen my brain. And so I'm reading your book. And, and some of the things that I talked about in the intro is that for most of my young life, you know, I was in special education. Uh, I literally didn't talk until I was four. My parents were very concerned about me. I ended up going into radio as a professional broadcaster. I still make mistakes when I talk and blah, 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 blah. These are all stories that I can tell myself. But I got so much freedom and clarity from reading your book is that I am not my past, right? Just because it happened doesn't mean that it's going to keep happening. But the moment I give it attention then it has a chance to flip itself around and start showing up again. What were some things that you really got from writing the book? You know, you said it took about a year, year and a half that when you finished the book and you put it down that you were most proud of. Yeah. I really love your story, by the way. And it's very obvious that you're not the same person you were when you were four years old. <laughs> Those are two very different people. Um, but also probably not even the same person you were a year or two ago, you know, as far as capability and situation and, you know, perspective and, and value, whatever it is you value right now versus what you valued a year and a half, two years ago. Yeah. The thing, I think the big things that stuck out to me after working on this book and working through it and writing it, one was first off, just the recognition that you aren't the same person you were in the past. You know, if you were to take the former version of you and you right now and start you on, on the same journey, the two of you would go about it very differently. You're starting from a different starting point as far as knowledge, but also situation. And and so I think recognizing that you're not the same person and not assuming that you were the same person, but also being very compassionate towards whatever former version of you there was there. You know, I had recently made some, well, so I guess, you know, you know who Dan Sullivan is, right? Mm -hmm. So he and I have a book coming out next month called Who Not How with Hay House. And Dan and I have collaborated for a while and he's a great dude. He has a concept I love. Actually, we're going to write a book about it. It's called The Gap in the Gain. Have you ever heard of The Gap in the Gain? Mm -hmm. So it's just this concept that he's he wrote about. There's a short ebook. I can give you the link 
people can download it. If you just Google the gap in the gain, you can download it for free, but I've loved it ever since I heard it. And in an online course I did about two and a half years ago, this was before I was in strategic coach or things like that. I made a training all about the gap in the game and it was in one of my courses and someone in strategic coach went through the course, my course. And then they informed Dan and Babs about it. And they said, I think Ben might be infringing on your IP because <laughs> uh, he's talking and teaching all about your concept, even though I was referencing it, things like that. Anyways, Babs brought it up to me. Babs is Dan's wife and just said, what's going on with this course and what happened? Um, she was very generous, very, and I, and I went back and watched it and I realized I was actually in the wrong, you know, like there were things that, and I, the former version of me was quite ignorant. Like I went back and I could see it from my, ver my eyes right now. I could see it differently than I saw it before. And I was like, you know what? I don't, I see that I was referencing you entirely, but I can also see that I could see how that was a problem. I'm going to remove it immediately. And that's called being in the game. I'm, I, I've changed from who I was two years ago. I'm not saying I'm a completely different person, but in that way, I saw my mistake and I owned it. And I wasn't mad at my former self. But I also just recognize that I'm a lot more mature and I know a lot more about business and a lot more about things than I did. Um, but I'm not angry at who I was. I'm actually empathetic towards who I was. And as a result, you know, I think there's a really good quote from Ernest Hemingway where he said that true nobility is not being former to, to other people. Or sorry, true nobility is not about being superior to other people, but it's about being superior to your former self. And so I think that number one insight be empathetic and compassionate towards your former self and towards the other self of other people or the former self of other people. You know, my dad being the drug addict 20 years ago, he was a drug addict today. He's not. And I don't have to assume that today he's the same guy he was 20 years ago, but I can better understand who he was 20 years ago by asking him about it. And, and but also rather than being angry at who my dad was 20 years ago, I just want to understand who that person was and be compassionate towards the fact that they had limitations and that they were making decisions and that my dad wouldn't make those same decisions today. I think that that's half the book. The other half of the book is just the future self and about just how the future is the thing that drives us. Whatever view of the future you have, that's the thing shaping everything about who you are today. And I think that those two insights are, are pretty big. I love it. Hey, guys, we're going to take a quick break with Dr. Benjamin Hardy today. We're talking about you. I hope you stick around. I hope you are going to take him up on an incredible offer he's going to make to you in just a few minutes. He already gave away his ebook. So Google it, have some fun, but stick around because what we're going to learn, not only is he a father of five, written many books, he's got a lot of great books coming out. He, he was talking about Joe Polish, Dan Sullivan, strategic coach, all of this, but he's got something in the works that I can't wait to share with you when we return. So stick around. We'll be right back on the Be Fulfilled podcast show. Are you ready to break the mold? You know, so many people seem stuck in society. But you're not one of them. If you were, you wouldn't be listening to this. And I know for a fact that right here, right now, inside you, there's greatness. And a great way to help bring that out is the 12-week journey to fulfillment. So head over to BeFulfilledJournal.com and use the coupon code PODCAST and you get a special rate on us. It's our way to say thanks for listening. As well, there's access to a private community of entrepreneurs ready to support you and your business. That's BeFulfilledJournal.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back on the Be Fulfilled podcast show. You know, going up Success Mountain sometimes is not a clear path, right? Being an entrepreneur isn't a clear path. Like being on this journey of life, if it was a straight line, I promise you it would be boring. Sometimes the switchbacks are necessary. The, the slip downs, I call life sometimes like shoots and ladders. That's all life really is. Are you willing to get back up and try again? 
when we're talking today, as, as we were going to the break, he's talking about his dad. 20 years ago, his dad was this way and his dad is this way today. And, and he can get glimmers of what the past was like, but he probably also remembers what his version of the past was for him, right? So, you know, here, here's Ben today talking about what was it like to be with his dad 20 years ago and now what it's like today. And I would give anything to have a conversation with my dad. You know, I lost my dad seven years ago and, you know, we had kind of this turbulent relationship the last probably 10, 15 years of his life. I would give anything knowing what I know, even reading personalities and permanent to be able to go back and have a better conversation with my dad. What's the conversation like today for you with your father? Like how different is it today versus 20 years ago? <laughs> yeah. Well, so 20 years ago was basically right when my parents got divorced. And so, I mean, he was still a great dad, honestly. My view of it was, is just that life became very turbulent. My view of it now is different because I now, you know, the cool part about memory is, is you're always framing the past based on where you're at in the present. You know, the present is always the scope through which you look through the past. And so because now I'm in a different state, I look at the past a lot differently than I looked at it when I was an 11 year old kid. But, you know, my conversation with my dad now, I mean, he's just an amazing guy. I mean, we talk all the time, talk about life, talk about work, talk about his relationships, talk about fitness. And one of the things I did when I was writing Personalities and Permanent, because one of the crucial kind of concepts is, is that context shapes content. You know, the, how, the context of something determines how you view it. And so because I wanted to better understand who my dad was, I asked him a ton of questions. And he was very open and honest. You know, I just asked him what led him to the decisions he made, you know, back then, like to do drugs and whatnot. And he gave me so much context. He gave me so much perspective that the 11-year-old version of me could never have had. You know, I, I wouldn't have understood it and I wasn't in an emotional place to, to, you know, internalize it. So I got a lot of understanding about where he was coming from. And that led me to even more compassion about where he was at and what he was going through. And, and even honestly, more awe at what he's overcome and who he's become. And so, yeah, I've got huge respect for my dad. I would say he's a hero of mine and uh, someone I admire. And I definitely have no ill will towards who he was in the past, mostly just compassion. And, uh, you know, love for him. I love that. I, I, I tell people all the time, our job isn't to go out and have like the comparison mindset. Cause I think that's so much of what society is, but instead have compassion, be like, isn't that cool what that person's doing? And it quickly reframes everything that you've got in your filter to like, let's just have compassion. I think our world right now needs more compassion than anything. Right. We see a lot of stuff going on and I don't get drawn into public controversy. I've realized I've made that very clear in my statements that when I do social media, when I blog, when I, when I do anything, I'm like, hey, look, everybody gets to form their own opinion, but I get to have compassion for the world. That's my free will. That's my choice. So I, I love that. And I really, I really, really, really relate to that. When you, when you think about where you're at today and all the exciting stuff, is this what you dreamed of as a little boy? Kind of like, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to write blogs after coming back on, you know, my mission. And, and this is what I'm going to set out to do. But what did you dream about as a child growing up wanting to be? Uh, I have no idea. Uh, trying to thinking about it. I think I, I loved sports, basketball, still love basketball. Uh, I didn't think I was going to be a basketball player, but I don't know what I wanted to do. I was very creative, imaginative. Um, in high school, I was very into snowboarding, you know, so I snowboarded a ton and thought I was going to do that, but no clue that I was going to be a writer or interested in psychology, had no interest in that. And that just kind of came through my mission experience. You know, I got really into journaling, a lot of deep experiences with people. And that's really what got me interested in psychology. So, yeah, I mean, I would Where'd say you go I'm on your the, mission. I went to Pennsylvania. 
So I spent a few years in Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh and that was really cool. But yeah, I would say I'm living the dreams of myself maybe as of five or six years ago. You know, I'm, I'm at that former version of me's dream, you know, but now I have new dreams, you know? Um, but yeah, that I'm at the dream of my former self, probably between five and 10 years ago. How important is it to have a dream in front of you now? Like now, like for what you know, after all the work you've done, all the conversations you've had to dangle something of a carrot in front of you to have something to work towards. You have to, you know, from a psychology standpoint, if you don't, your, your view of reality of your present is based on your view of the future. So as an, you know, so in psychology, we call it prospection, you know, to be a conscious being, you one, a fundamental aspect of being conscious is that we can imagine different future scenarios and then we can live our life based on those futures. And so Victor Frankl in Man's Search for Meaning, he talked a lot about how the people in the concentration camps, only those who saw a better future and had a purpose towards that future could, could, could deal with the present. The present became meaningless if you don't see a future and then you die in the concentration camps. And I've recently spent a lot of time studying hope, just the psychology of hope. And it's really crucial that if you don't have hope towards the future, you don't have a sense of agency or, or free will. You know, like if you don't have hope and optimism towards the future, the present is horrible, which is interesting because right now for a lot of people with the media and with all sorts of stuff, the goal of a lot of media is to destroy people's hope towards the future. It's to make the future feel bleak and hopeless. And so when, when your future is hopeless, then your present is terrible. And so, yeah, your view of your future is the thing driving your present. Everything we do as human beings is based on how we see our own future. And so, you know, I do like the quote from Dan Sullivan. He says, the way to make your present better is by making your future bigger. But I think that that's very true. I think whatever, whatever view you see of your future, that's the thing dictating what you do in the present. And maybe if your future is just to pay the bills, then that's why you're going to work, you know, but whatever it is you're trying to accomplish in your future, that's what's driving your present. No, I, I really appreciate it, you know, and I'm, I'm fascinated by you and I could spend hours, you know, just asking you questions. Uh, one question that I love to ask guests is like when you woke up this morning and you knew, hey, I'm going to go, you know, on, on a show and a podcast today. I, I was thinking, you know, I hope the, 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 the host would ask me this one question, this one thing that's top of mind, maybe maybe something that you've been thinking about lately that you haven't really shared, but it's on your heart. Is there anything in particular that you'd love to share with the audience today that maybe you've just been thinking a lot about lately? Yeah, sure. I think that the idea that popped in my head today was that we should make decisions right now that that our future friends will be impressed by. So not our current friends, but like, let's just say our friends in 20 years, like the current, you know, the people you're around right now are probably slightly different in some degrees than the peer group you had five years ago, you know, but so one, I'm right now I'm going through some changes, like I'm changing my fitness and I'm changing some of my nutrition because I'm thinking a lot about who I'm going to be in like 50 years, you know, like when I'm in my nineties. And so as a result, I'm adjusting my fitness, and my nutrition so that I'm more optimal even then. And that's, that's even how I'm even thinking about my finances. But for a long time, I think I was making decisions based on what I thought would be cool for like the next one to five years, which is fine too, which is fine too. But like, I think my fitness and my nutrition were more impulsive. Like I would consume way more stimulants and things like that. Not that I think coffee or anything like that's bad, but I was probably overdoing it because I was trying to create specific results that may look good for the next five years, but in 10 or 15 years from now would be irrelevant, you know? And so I think just asking yourself, what are the decisions you could make right now that would be optimal for your future self in, in 20 years from now? And like, what are the decisions you could make today that like your friends in 20 years from now would be impressed by? 
because your friends, your peer group and where you're at in 20 years from now is going to be very different from where you're at right now. And if you're only making decisions based on what's impressive right now, you might be setting your future self up for, for failure. And so I, I don't know, I've just been spending a lot of time lately, like studying the idea of the longer out your goals are, or the longer out your thinking is, the, lo- the more informed and probably higher quality your decision is in the present. And that's not to say to delay gratification. It's more just that the further out your future is, then like the bigger it is, you know, like you can have a pretty massive future if it's 30 years out and you can then make decisions right now where you're already living that future. Like I'm already living a lot healthier because I, I'm thinking about where I want to be in 20 years. Um, and I've just made a few tweaks. And so, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's something that I've been thinking about lately. Well, thanks for sharing. I think that's very informative and super helpful. I just went to the doctor yesterday and, you know, I've been, I've been on a weight loss yo-yo lifestyle since I was a little kid, right? Skinny, heavy, skinny, heavy. And I, you know, I'd always kind of found this like pogo stick in between trying to figure out, you know, what, why I was always getting healthy, getting fat, getting healthy, getting fat. And it clicked, uh, it clicked, uh, coming home and starting, uh, 75 hard that I've never realized before. And it hit me yesterday when I was leaving the doctor's office after they, they told me all my numbers. Um, I've never gamified my health. I never gamified it. I gamified everything else, my business. Uh, when I got into recovery, I've gamified that people go, you can gamify the 12 steps. I'm like, yeah, you get to 12 and you start over. It's kind of like in Donkey Kong, you know, you get to the top, you try to grab the princess, Donkey Kong comes and takes the princess away. You got to start all over and do it all over again. So you just, you just keep on that journey of playing and, and for my health. So I really, I like that because a lot of people put something in front of them. It's obtainable. They get it and they're done. And they're like, now what? And I'm like, uh, my wife and I want to go move to Italy five, five, 10 years out. Right. We want to go live there six months, live here six months. I, I followed my mom's path. They did that for 20 years and they still do it. They, they live in the UK. So I think having something and then working on it, but something you said was really, really crucial. And I hope if you're listening today, you picked it up. It, it's, it's, what you really, really are after, right? And it's not just getting it done quickly. It's about then you can visualize the little steps that you need to take to help you achieve it. So many of us to say, hey, I want to lose 30 pounds. Okay, lose 30 pounds. Then what? That was, that was more of just something to do. That wasn't a real big goal. That was just something to do. What's the long term? And Ben said, like, imagine 50 years from now when I'm 90, you know, when I'm floating at 90, my grandkids are running around. My great grandkids are running around. Lauren and I are holding each other. We're like, we're, we're hanging out on the beach, having fun. Like, like you, if you can start to visualize your life like that, how much richer is your dream going to be? And then it'll be a lot easier for you to stay the course when things kind of go side to side. So I really, really, that's, that's at least my takeaway. And I really appreciated you sharing. Yeah. I loved everything you said about gamification as well. I think that gamification is, it's a, it's something that all high performers do. I think every high performer turns what they're trying to accomplish into a game. <laughs> and uh and seeing it like a game with different levels and um you know if you fail you can start back over you know and you don't over, you don't take it too seriously so I, I think that that's that is a crucial insight as well feed the machine every single day bring a bunch of quarters with you and never run out hey we're gonna jump into the fulfillment round with our guest today all right ben this is what you got to do i'm gonna ask you to play full out like you played already um, if you don't know the answer, please play along, make it up, have some fun with us. Okay. All right. um, you can't pass. That's the only goal and the only quest of our game today. You can't pass. They're not hard questions. They're just questions that I want to know. And um, all I need from you is I am ready. 
I'm ready. And now it's time for the fulfillment round. No phoning friend, no using the Google machine. No digging into storage for the Encyclopedia Britannicas. And I promise, Tony won't make you cry. And if you don't know the answer, just make it up. The fulfillment round brought to you by shipoffers.com for all your product and fulfillment needs. Now, Tony, you ready to ask some questions? All right, the first blog you ever published online and the headline you used. Um, I can't say, but I think it was... I have no idea. Um, I could look it up, but let's just say it was called how to, how to achieve your dream in five years. I like it. All right. Uh, you are the oldest of three. Uh, what would the youngest sibling say about you, uh, as a, as a big brother? My youngest sibling, Jacob is 30 or sorry, he's 26 years old. He's autistic. He's a really cool dude. One of the coolest people I know. He'd probably just say I'm a good older brother, great older brother. Someone he just loves being with. I love that. What's one thing you admire about him? He is just pure, uh, just, just pure honesty. I mean, I've never heard him tell, tell a lie. And you know, sometimes it throws people off how honest he is because he'll just say it how it is, you know, but he's, but you know where he's coming from, but he'll, you know, recently, cause my younger brother's in um, a treatment facility right now, my younger brother, Trevor, who's the middle brother. And, uh, they were on the phone together recently and my mom laughed about it because Jake was being Jake and he was being just really honest. <laughs> um, but he told Trevor, he said, Trevor, you know, before this, I had no faith in you, but he's like, for the first time in my life, I have faith in you, Trevor, you know? And like, he, those, are, those are the kind of things that Jake says, you know, like you just, he just comes from like this just genuine place where you just, he just says it how it is. You know there's what I mean? Filter. Yeah. There's, there's no filter. filter on Jacob. You know, like he's, he just said, I, I never had faith in you, but now I have some faith in you, Trevor. That's what he said to him. Uh, this is a fun, fun question to ask. So I'm going to ask you to just look right into the camera and pretend uh, I'm replaced by uh, your wife, Lauren. What would you like to thank her for? I would, I would like to thank her for marrying me, giving me a chance, um, being so stalwart and amazing. You know, like my future is definitely great because of her. You know, she is so solid and yeah, she's very impressive. I'm very impressed with her. The uh, idea popped in my head today, um, you know, as you were talking about your dreams and, and kind of like the future self of, of where you're at. But I'm also very present with you this morning, right? All my devices and everything are gone. It's just me and you. So in this very moment, you know, the year we've had, right? It's It's been, I don't even need to mention the date. We just know that we're in 2020, right? What a year. <laughs> Everybody says it went downhill after the Super Bowl and they danced on stage. J-Lo and Shakira, everything went down after that, right? Like it's just been an up and down side to side year. What is something that besides your book coming out that has just made you be inspired to keep moving forward? Yeah. I mean, 2020, to be honest with you, has been a great year for me. I've actually loved 2020. Um, you know, I don't, I, 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 I choose to frame everything as this is happening for me, not to me. And so even all of the racial divides and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Our boy, uh, Sean Stevenson, that was his last words, but you know, all the stuff happening in society, all the thing happening in politics, I'm just taking it as a learner. I'm just, I'm just learning what, from what's going on. Um, I'm not fully absorbing it to the extent that it overwhelms me, but I'm absorbing it to the extent that I can be transformed through it. And so, yeah, a lot of amazing things uh, have happened this year. Obviously I launched my book. Uh, I've totally reframed my business. 
Uh, and I think it's, it's creating a really fun trajectory for the next five years that I think is going to be amazing. And a lot of time with my kids, honestly, you know, my kids are now being homeschooled um, just because the school systems here in Florida are crazy and it, it makes sense for us to homeschool our kids. And so I've had a lot of great time with our kids. And I think my priorities have shifted where I've become a better father. And so I think that this year has been a very gratifying year for myself, my family. And I think long-term, I think this is going to be a big year for our world. And so I'm, I think that this has been a huge year for us and, and for the world. And I think that it's all happening for us, not to us. I love that. That's a great reframe and a great way to kind of segue into the last question, right? Now, knowing what you know about your life, and I don't even know how old you are, so we'll just leave it as we'll let you be whatever age you are. The kids, your marriage, your upbringing, everything. What do you think was the pivotal moment in your life so far that has led you to the greatest gains you've experienced so far? Definitely. I mean, I had a hinge point moment, honestly, like two, two or three days ago, you know, hinge, small hinges, swing big doors, you know, and I think I've, I'm going through a hinge moment right now, hinge point moment, but um, definitely deciding to go on that mission when I was 19 going to 20, uh, I was living at my cousin's house doing nothing with my life, playing World of Warcraft all day. And my view of my future was becoming increasingly bleak. And so that for me was the opportunity to start over fresh start, new me, new adventure. Um, and that, that kickstarted my next journey. I would say, you know, after that, probably getting married to my wife, you know, being very selective about the person I married and marrying someone who really enhanced my own view of my future and someone who inspired me to be better. Uh, and then foster care, you know, doing the foster care thing. Those were big decisions that have swung some big doors in my life and changed my trajectory for sure. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for doing what you do and taking pen to paper and getting outside of your head and putting it down, you know, and sharing a little bit of what you write about with the world. It's turned into some amazing books. And I know you've got some great stuff coming up too. I'm looking forward to the next stuff that you publish. I know that our, our team reads it, loves it. And I just really have enjoyed uh, my conversation with you as we stretched a little bit this morning and got up and down success mountain. I want the world to be able to follow you. I know that you have a, a, a big following already, but what would you recommend? Just people going to benjaminhardy.com? Is that the best way to kind of stay in touch with you? That is the best way. There's one, one call to action. Just like there's one, you know, I always try for one outcome. In this case, me and you having a great conversation. But the one, one, one outcome that I'm trying to get for anyone who's new, and even anyone who's been listening to my work or read my work for a long time, go to benjaminhardy.com and get my free 30-day future self program. This is a program I've sold in the past for hundreds of dollars. We've updated it, made it, I think it's, so high quality and it's literally free. It's daily emails and you get daily like 10 to 15 minute trainings, deep dive into the science of this stuff. And it's just free for 30 days. And I think in 30 days, if you actually went through it, you would actually be a different person. It's entirely free and you can just log in and get full access to it. Just go to benjaminhari.com, put your name and email in, create your login, takes you less than a minute and get access to the first training. And then tomorrow you'll get day two. And then the next day you'll get day three. It's just like, uh, it's, uh, that's what I want people to go through. It's free. And I think it, it's life-changing. And uh, maybe you have someone in your life, whoever's listening to this, that you could give it to them. And it's free as well. And it gives you a lot of clarity and hope towards the future and gives you the tools you need to reframe the past. So, yep, that's, that's what I invite people to go to is benjaminhire.com and get that free 30-day future self program. 
All right, audience, you heard your cue, BenjaminHardy.com. Go check it out. Sign up today. 30 days of content delivered, but deep dive too. It's not just a bunch it's of fluff. Deep, it's deep, man. It's, it's deep. stuff that you can implement and use. And I love what he said. It might just change your life and it might, 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 as I, I use these words really loose, it might just help you and your friends and your circle of influence that you hang around with, maybe to shape some things there as well. So ladies and gentlemen, that is Dr. Benjamin Hardy. My name is Tony Grubmeyer. And until next time, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, make today the absolute best day of your life. And all the show notes are available at TonyGrubmeyer.com. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the architect of your journey in this game we call life? Take the next step now at www.tonygrubmeyer.com. Enter your details to get the first week of the Be Fulfilled Journal for free. It includes access to our private community of thousands of other entrepreneurs. It'll give you more clarity and freedom in your day. And it might just change your life forever. Forever.